0: gonna start this. <laughs> now, now this time i'm going to take the time to look through yeah. the proper you know spot in my glasses uh. and line up <laughs> and make sure i have the proper tracks recorded boom, i can't believe i did that boom, <laughs> don't worry <laughs>
1: boom, it was boom, also fun you know <laughs> boom,
0: Hey gang, what's up? Me? I feel stupid. Last week I was fortunate enough to have the charming Thomas Snell on my podcast. Thomas is a true artist, a very experienced lighting designer and senior partner at Spotlight SRL in Milan, Italy. Spotlight is a manufacturer of high quality theatrical lighting fixtures. The reason I feel stupid? Well, Thomas's voice was coming in on tracks 9 and 10, and I was recording tracks 11 and 12. Yeah. 60 precious minutes of pure nothing. And that, my friends, is one of the many reasons I am not a sound man. Apparently, I'm not perfect, so I can't be a sound man. So in the future, if anyone catches me making another mistake, don't be afraid to tell me, and I will make it a pleasure to repeat that I am not perfect. Luckily, Thomas being the gentleman that he is offered me to do it all over again. I will never thank him enough for that. The content and wisdom in this episode is truly outstanding. We'll get on with the interview right after this. The Backstage Cowboys podcast is brought to you by AVL Media Group and Avolights, who make the best lighting consoles in the world. If you live in Canada, you now have access to the Avolights Academy online learning platform. The cost is $229, and that includes an editor EvoKey delivered directly to your door. Head on over to BackstageCowboys.com and click on the Avolights Academy logo to get all the details. Now, if you don't live in Canada, well... That means you're in another country. So if you're in the United States, head on over to avolights.us. Anywhere else in the world, just go directly to avolights.com and you'll find all the resources available in your country. And now, let's get on with the show. Here is another episode of the Backstage Cowboys podcast. Que la música había inizio. I copied the tracks onto the computer, and then I went. How come I'm not getting any sound? And then I, I realized that I was recording the wrong track, and <laughs> because of the angle on which my mixer is, yeah. it's <laughs> yeah. lined up. You know, the wrong button with the wrong uh, the wrong slide. So, anyway, we're back, uh, Thomas. Thank you so much yeah, for yes, yes. for your patience. No, no
1: problem. Absolutely, no problem. <laughs>
0: Thomas, welcome to the show. Uh, this is take yep. two. <laughs>
1: yeah. No. Well, it's, uh, it's every time, very happy to talk to to you, and not only to you, but I I know that, that many people are are hearing and following you, so it's um, really a pleasure. Oh. I hope I can make a um,
0: um,
1: or I can tell you something that is really useful for everybody, not not only for myself for myself doesn't
0: matter absolutely <laughs> uh, oh yeah and i appreciate that and uh from having done this interview once i can tell you that there's a lot of valuable information in there um so thomas can you tell uh, let's start with what you do now what what is your exact uh position you're at spotlight italy obviously uh in milan yeah. uh what is what is your uh your position right now
1: well um as lighting designer of course uh, well i have also to tell uh, to tell a bit a little bit about my history because um uh, i i went uh, 20 years ago well in, in uh, directly joined in in spotlight um because i had um, i was a good customer and many um of my productions and so on i i was buying from spotlight because they could really follow me following me in my needs of um, in productions and so on. And um, yeah, what I'm doing, I'm still uh, doing lighting design more from an educational point of view while training people, helping people, trying when there is a project, not only to give suggestions about um, how they can realize certain um, uh, lighting uh, challenges, but also uh, that we can launch then a development so that we are for this special project we are doing then a special light for and um, this is very happy for me so that I can give all my experience that I have then into a development of a new product and um, so that we are doing we um, uh, are manufacturing something that is really um uh, problem solving to the customer Mm -hmm. and not only say oh you have to buy this box and you will be happy no no we try to make happy the customer giving them a product that is working for their
0: needs oh okay um i'm going to go back and forth a little bit in time uh, yeah, a, as we yeah, go yeah. on here, uh, there was there's one thing I'd like to begin with because I want to know a lot about about you as, as a person and as you know all, all the mm. experience you have. First thing, um, I noticed that uh, you speak five languages. Um, mm, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I'd like to know what those five languages are and I would also like to know yeah. where you're from. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Well, um, first of all, all I'm born in Germany,
0: <laughs> and
1: um, I had all my education there. Um, well, we are learning from, yeah, from, from. I think from eight years years on English, it's, uh, it's a must in a school. Of course, it's not enough to uh, um, uh, to be then on the run, but. Um, for communication is okay. Then um, uh, I had in certain moment, um, well, uh, the possibility to study in Italy. And for studies, of course, you have done for university level, you have done to really go dig deep inside the language. And um, then of course, I I finished then my studies in the French speaking um, Switzerland. So I had also then to to study French. Then also I have um, relatives in Spain uh, and in Mexico. I and uh, well, um I traveled, I, I made a lot of tourings in uh, South America, where I must speak um, uh, Spanish. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, well, these are the and the, well, these are the five languages. Well, uh, the German. The mother language, then a little bit English, as you can hear, (laughs) (laughs) then French, Spanish, and um, what is that? Italian, obviously.
0: Yeah, Italian. So (laughs) So how long have you been in in Italy?
1: Well, in Italy, um, I moved as a student um, uh, already uh, more than 30 years ago. (laughs) So um, uh, but you have to imagine that um, uh, my hometown in Germany is just 600 kilometres from Milan. So this is a different uh, different distances like in uh, in the US or or in America, let's say.
0: Um, So
1: we are uh, everything is very close, you know, Uh, Europe is a small, a small place with many, many languages. And if you would like to communicate to each other, then you have to be um, very flexible. Not only uh, learning a lot of, of languages, but also uh,
0: different mentalities. Yes, I suppose that that does make a difference, especially you know moving from one country to another. Uh, in your early years, as you were studying, uh, you were you were not only acquiring some some knowledge, uh, academic. Uh, acad- academic? Yeah, I have to say it again. I'm a French guy. I I think in French yeah, and I yeah, speak yeah. in English, so sometimes it comes yeah. out funny. <laughs> so yes, yes, so yes, you yes. weren't only getting academic uh knowledge, but you're also getting culture knowledge. Yes, this is fundamental.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's why yeah, Europeans because, uh,
0: in general are more intelligent than Americans.
1: No, no, that, that, that's absolutely not. You know
0: that the Americans, the roots are all here in Europe. You know, yeah, we're all from Europe at some point in history. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I'd like to go back. Uh, I'd like to say way back, but um, <laughs> I'll be careful with my words. Um, I'd like to know how how you got into. I mean, we we will eventually get to all your studies, but how. You you got into the um the theatrical world or the uh, you know the um uh, show business uh how did that happen what what was uh, what clicked i mean what what made it that you wanted to go into this uh t- to this field hmm. yeah yeah
1: well first of all uh it's not something that i i i had in my mind to do it was not a project it was not a concept that I made up by myself and try to follow it. Yeah, it came out from the life by itself. For example, um, uh, I was on stage already uh, when I have been six years. And um, uh, well, also because of my relatives. Um, I'm coming out from um, from artistic family, if you like. where also my all my um, uh, nephews and so on, um, we had a light uh, kind of um, yeah, let's say competition also. <laughs> well, um, uh, where we we try to make music and and whatever and uh, um, so th- this artistic um, yeah blood that I have inside was every time uh, the driving. Um uh, how to say the, the motor of every of my creativities, and also um, the most happiest part of of that what I would like to to do in my life, so the creativity and uh yeah, expressing that, but without uh, making how to say um plannings
0: mm-hmm. you say you were on stage as of uh, as of age six. Uh, so what yeah, what were yeah. you doing on stage? Uh, singing or?
1: Uh, yeah, 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 yes, yes. Well, in the beginning, it was mainly singing, then uh, then also acting for a theater plays and wow. so on. But nothing of special. Well, it was just um, that what what we had also to do in in school, and um, and then of course, at uh, certain moment, uh, um, well, uh, I started also very early to. Uh, to make photography because of um I, uh, an uncle that that uh, his big how to say hobby was photography and so on he transmitted a little bit to me um, not only he transmitted it, but he led uh, really um, a passion for that. Mm-hmm. And this is is already the I would say the basics for lighting, because in photography you take that what you see, what you have in front of you, and in lighting design you do it actively. Yeah, and um, when you have uh, from early beginning a uh, training to see things and to make the composition. Um, in photography, then it's the first, um, how to say, step also um, going to do it actively with your Now, mm-hmm. And I think it's a, it's a very important um, preparation then, doing lighting design.
0: Yeah. Okay, so you started doing f- uh, photography. Um, yeah. So yeah. what were your uh, your early studies um I mean, did you have a a particular field in which you wanted to study in, or did you just do general studies and then eventually headed towards something, or what was it exactly that that you were studying at a young age? Yeah,
1: well, um, you know, when you are young, then um, you never know what to do, what to choose, so... Um, but it came out from from life, and certain moment I had to choose which direction uh, to take, and in uh, that time uh, it was very fancy to study electronics.
0: Yes, <laughs> so, I remember. Um, <laughs> and then
1: also uh, my parents they pushed me, ah yes, to electronics because it can make them some money afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. With artistic things, you can never make money <laughs> normally yep, <laughs> if you're true. not really on the top. <laughs> mm.
0: Well, you're not in control so, uh, anyway. You can't just go say, uh, I'm, "I'll, I'll, I'll sing or I'll dance," and then I'll go get a job doing that. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> and also, you know, uh,
1: for parents, it's every time important to have a stable basement for your life. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Artistic life is not uh, not a very easy um, way of uh, have to have stability, if you like. That's you know? true,
0: um,
1: and uh, and of course then from electronics, in uh, um, certain moment. Um, um i got engaged then from a international performing art group in italy um of course after my studies also uh, in italy so where they know also my um artistic uh, how to say talents and so on and uh, they asked me to do then the lighting design together also with the stenography because if I'm I can tell a little bit about my um, how I see how lighting design Mm, is, um, is every time it was or it is for me a challenge that uh, it's not only a question of um, to have the right luminaires or the light lighting desks and so on. But um, um, it goes together with the the scenography. So because I'm um, I'm practically illuminating then an object or a three-dimensional uh, dimension on the stage, and uh, I would like to um, not only to make a, a light on it, but also uh, giving uh, a feeling, an expression, an emotion. Mm-hmm. I would like to take out something that. Um, uh, a message, an information that uh, that is coming not only from the light, but also from uh, from where I make the illumination, what object I'm illuminating, and um, which kind of feelings that I'm transmitting in that moment to to the visitors or to the to the audience. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I think what we uh, especially in in our days um, uh, what we can see that um, many people are just um, trying to buying the the latest uh, um, effect effect lighting yeah? yeah and 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 with that they try then to say okay i'm i have a, I have made a good lighting design yeah using the latest effect but this is absolutely not uh, the way uh, how I, I see a, a lighting design. I mean, it is not just a, a machine or like a robot that you push bottom and then is doing uh, ping pong pong. And uh, uh, but it's, um, it's really out would say, uh, something deep inside of myself that I have to or that I try to express uh, with my luminaires and uh, with my lighting. And um, and this is something that um, yeah, that you, you cannot just do um, with the latest gobo's or effects um, uh, pushing from your lighting desk uh, some buttons and then is doing um, how to say a random effect or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this is then the difference in between a technician and a lighting designer. Yeah. Uh, in one one side, well, a sliding designer, you you try to see the context and you you put the things inside a context of um, information of a message that you would like to transmit an emotion. And um, the other side, the technique uh, the techniques are helping to do that, but um, well, in my opinion, techniques can never. I also say go just by themselves. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a service, but um, at the same time, uh, we as human beings um, should give the, that what we have: our creativity, our our ideas, and um, and transform a machine into something living.
0: Yes. I I understand. It's uh, the creativity of a lighting designer relies a lot more on on the message you want to send, on what you want to to give, uh, what kind of feeling you want to express rather than starting from what your equipment can do and then building from that. It's the it's the other yeah. way around. You you yeah. what you want to express and then you find a way to make your equipment deliver that. Yes. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking, like, in all the years of experience you've had, uh, you've seen, like, a, a couple of uh, technical innovations. Um, in in everything you've seen that came on the market or that was invented since you've started uh, doing light design, uh, what would you say, if you had to name one thing that had the most impact on your work, what would that be?
1: Well, um i have two two things i uh, what what was important for me um uh of course years ago um and i i tried to explain it a little bit uh, the the last time um well the development practically of the of the moving heads because nowadays everybody would like to work just with moving heads in on the stage and and so on and, um, well, um, I had, uh, I was quite lucky to be on the, how to say, nearly the, the, the birth um, um, of, of this technology, or I started to work with that. Um, and um, I remember uh, uh, I had the, fir- the first scanners, yeah, in that mm-hmm. time, well, it was in the, in the 80s where we were um, working with scanners, that was practically just a profile spot with a mirror in front. Mm -hmm. Then you moved around the mirror and um, this was a very fancy discotheque effect. And um, but this um, this effect light, it came out practically much earlier because um, and there is a fundamental also in this development spotlight because uh, spotlight, well in certain moment um, had to to solve a problem that um, is every time um, uh, a big issue in the Teatro alla Scala. Teatro alla Scala is um, is here our, our the biggest opera house, mm-hmm. and is also from from the history. Um, well, the first opera house in modern style um from uh, from the middle age practically and um uh well they have such a huge stage with um uh well um 20 meter large and 50 meter high and so on you cannot just go with a ladder and to to mm. positioning the lighting um so they ask uh, very early um uh, ask for some some help in order that they don't need to go every time there and to touch hands. So um, in that time, then in the 70s, uh, it was just um, then um, a spot where where we fixed then on the side part a motor and then on the top uh, a motor so that you it was then driven by 0.10 volt. And um, so where you you are looking just on the stage, and then you move two potentiometers up and down, and you make your positioning then of the luminaires of the beam on, on into the stage. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a very how to say basic uh, way of um, of a moving head, uh, but it it worked quite well. Uh, of course, in that times, while with 0, 010 volt, uh, it was then the, really the challenge. Uh, we must have a new kind of a protocol, yes. and uh, then came out uh, of the mix. And um, the, the mix 512. Of course, in the beginning, we had a lot of problems um, that um, many products are not working correctly together because uh, the signal was not uh, how to say standardization was not not very well uh, done in the beginning. And, um, and so that um, for us for for Spotlight, we we made already before these scanners, um, projectors, um, let's say, moving head type. Yeah. And um, of course, uh, when it came out, then the discotheque market, well, they would like to have not only a moving light that is moving slowly, but uh, also very quickly and so on. Um, But this was not then our uh, particular, how to say, interest to serve this market. And um, we went ahead, of course, then to uh, develop our ARC, our um, automated remote control system, um, where you don't need to have any reset. Well, especially, you know, can imagine in a television studio or in a theater if you have in the beginning um just a minute for the reset up and down with a lot of noise mm. this is something that is absolutely forbidden in a in a professional um production because um if something happened uh blackout then uh, <laughs> uh then you are really how to say in trouble uh, yeah. this, this is something like that uh anyway um this was uh, also for me uh some uh, uh, very interesting how to say um uh, product where um it gives also the possibility with less luminaires doing much more more things in the same time and um um this was was one one product that has how uh, to say made a revolution on on in, into the market, and uh, uh, of course uh, many other um, uh, companies then started up, and uh, uh, well, we have all this uh, these thousands and thousands of different moving heads on the market. And, um, yeah, but the arc uh, you're well, talking about
0: is something that is specialized to to mount uh, a conventional light on, or, or could be LED, but uh, it could be a Fresnel or uh, or an ellipsoidal, and and that yoke can be operated by DMX, and I, it can be operated yeah. manually also. So if you place it in a, in a certain area, even if power goes out or if 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 a signal is lost, it'll keep its position. And when power returns or, or when it's turned on and off, it, it'll never go back to its home position and tri- try to find its home position and reset and all that, because obviously there's limitations to what you can do with a Fresnel, with a barn door and, and, all, and all the accessories. You can't go 180, 360. Um, you, you, <laughs> there's, it, it's restricted, so you have to be able to rely on, on, on the position, on the last position and start from there.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, um, then this, the second, um, how to say, big uh, challenge and where we are still living in is the LED technology.
2: Mm-hmm. You know?
1: And um, for me, I'm quite happy also to be in Spotlight, because with our research and development, we started very early to make our first LED product. It was already around 2000, 2004, 5. in that time. So, of course, in the beginning, it was really, um, uh, how to say, not very fancy to work with LEDs because we had only these RGB um, LEDs and um, uh, the times, well, the most of lumineers there was uh, was just um, um, this one where, where we, we are talking about pizza uh, pizza pizza effect yeah where you have um, all these these colors that are coming. Yeah, you look, all these different RGB
0: sources that are, yeah, we call them jelly beans here. Yeah, so. exactly, <laughs> and
1: uh, <laughs> and uh, you can imagine for. Uh, for a lighting designer with a certain, how to say, feeling, artistical feeling, this is just like, um, how to say, uh, Harlequin, uh, something very, um, yeah, for carnival is okay, but not <laughs> for this boutique <discotheque, laughs> but not for a professional artwork, you know. And um, uh, so uh, we have been waiting then. Uh, at the moment that you had uh, LEDs, where um, where these three RGBs are combined together in order to get uh, just one beam, and uh, you don't see this pizza effect, yeah, mm-hmm. this jelly beam effect, and uh, <laughs> and uh, so so in that way we started then in spotlights uh, with our LED products and. Uh, and then very quickly, also we we developed a lot of um, LED products around the the phosphor technology. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is a bit uh, strange for me is um, uh, in the architectural sector, yeah, practically they know only um, products made by the phosphor technology. Instead of um, our entertainment industry, uh, practically they. If you ask them, or oh, do you know about the phosphor uh, LED technology and so on? Not not many people uh, knows what is the difference and what from where it is coming. So um, yeah, can you explain?
0: Uh, can you explain the, the the phosphor technology? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Practically, uh, well, the, the most important um, how to say point for for this technology had been uh, in two thousand and fourteen the premio Nobel in Physics for the three uh, Japanese guys um, uh, that invented this fossil technology and um uh, don't ask me the names because <laughs> I, I knew them. I, I just don't remember by <laughs> heart, but I have them in
0: a document somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, well, and um, uh, practically they they have been very clever because the thought was um, uh, an LED die is um, how to say uh, it can generate just one electromagnetic frequency. And mm-hmm. exactly only this frequency, nothing more and nothing less. So this is also, you know, the advantage of the energy saving of yes. an LED. And um, uh, the problem is that our visible light or the sunlight is uh, is a, is um, not only one electromagnetic frequency, but uh, a bunch of a very large bunch. as uh, a spectrum of different um, uh, frequencies that we are that our eyes can percept and uh, where all this information gives, gives us a feeling inside ourselves and um, uh, if you are uh, if you would like to generate then with an led dye a continuous color spectrum as our sunlight is doing um, they they said okay, uh, it's only possible to do it um, over a burning process because here on Earth, physical wise, if you are uh, if you are burning something, yeah, you get immediately uh, a continuous spectrum of light, mm-hmm. not only just one electromagnetic frequency.
0: Which explains so, why um, the uh, the original incandescent bulb was uh, had such a good color rendering.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Exactly, because it was directly a burning process. So Mm -hmm. they said, now, how can we make with an LED dye a burning process? (laughs) And uh, the the, well, from from the history, we know it already. Yeah, because the fluorescent lamps, um, they're working in in such in the same way or in a similar way, Um, fluorescent lamps are generating inside the, the tube. Um, just ultraviolet lights that that uh, that you you can perceive you see you don't see it really mm-hmm. uh, clearly and then uh, they're using then this phosphor coating inside this um, uh, this glass tube tube in order to um, uh, to make a kind of a refraction of this electromagnetic frequency practically the um, uh, this ultraviolet light is charging the phosphor and the phosphor um, is then starts then to illuminate by himself. Mm. And um, practically he's slowing down then the electromagnetic frequency into... Um, into a continuous visible um, color spectrum. Okay. And in relation, then, if you put more or less phosphor, then this color temperature of, of white light is changing then. And uh, well, they said, okay, let's do it in the same way so that we are trying to make a, a very um, high-frequency uh, blue LED dye in order to get as most as possible the energy to charge this phosphor Phosphor then is um, is making the uh, is is vibrating, let's say, like this, and uh, generating a kind of a burning process that is generating then the complete electromagnetic uh, spectrum. that what we see, and um, of course, then uh, with the time ongoing, there has uh, been a lot of qualities of these phosphor LEDs. So they they had in the in the beginning to invent the kind of uh, measurement of the quality of this phosphorus. So and they then they came out this uh, CRI discussions, yeah, color rendering mm-hmm. index. Yeah, because um, uh, it was just uh, the comparing in between a halogen lamp uh, source because in that times before before that uh, on the market mainly were existing. Only halogen lamps, and mm-hmm. then, um, of course, also the discharge lamps. But um, uh, these are a, a, a little bit special, um, and um, and so they they made a comparing in between the halogen and uh, the LED. And I said, okay, uh, let's take a look. Halogen maybe is 100 percent, yeah. And how distant is then this uh, LED white light? And, uh, and then uh, they gave all these uh, CRI values. With them, we are still working, even if uh, if nowadays it makes no sense anymore, because we are already over this um, uh, this how to say this problems uh, of the um, of the, of this new technology that was starting up into the market and uh, had. Um, had to have um, well a lot of uh, research um, to get it better and better. Um, yeah, well.
0: See, t- uh, I know. Um, um, so you you just explained the uh, the the UV LED going through a phosphor uh, coating and yeah. that turning into a high-quality uh, white light. In, in today's standards, uh, we'll, we'll create uh, white light with different sources of different colors of LEDs, right? So, uh, and, yeah. and I'm yeah. referring to yeah. the six-color Hyperion uh, light mm. that, yeah. that recently came out. Um, can you explain a little bit about that? How, how can you get the same quality and, and the same full spectrum from different sources of color, if they're all vibrating on one certain frequency, how are you able to fill the gaps between those frequencies?
1: Yeah, Um, of course uh, uh, the, um, how to say, the challenge uh, was then uh, to increase practically the um, the white light, um, the quality of the white lights using then more electromagnetic frequencies together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, and of course, um, uh, the, the six-color engine is um, for, if you look at, at the quality of the, the white light that is coming out, um, um, in this moment, the state of art, well, you can also put also other uh, frequency inside, but then you are losing light output. And, um, um, and, but there is still, how to say, a problem because, um, if you are just making a project, a projection against a white wall or, or something that is white looking, then, um, of course, you have a very, very high color rendering and um but the uh, the issue is when you are illuminating then an object uh, with colors yeah mm-hmm. like let's say in the fashion industry um where where it's very important the quality uh, of the of the colors of tissues and so on then um uh, well the tissue itself what you are illuminating with this kind of with this color is not generating by itself uh that what what is not arriving as an electromagnetic frequency, so um, uh, uh, then we calling we calling it uh, metameric failure. The metameric failures uh, of the um, of a six color engine um, is still there. You cannot how to say cancel it because um, in between this six, seven, or eight, or whatever um, electromagnetic frequency.
2: Um,
1: you have every time a gap in between. And uh, what is coming back then, uh, if you illuminate something very colorful, um, well, there's then still something missing. And then you have to decide in your lighting design uh, where I should use uh, a colored light and where I should use um, the phosphor technology to illuminate for example faces, skin tones and so on. Of course you can also do it but um, uh, there's a big difference in between illuminating um, uh, with front light, for example a uh, person uh, with the phosphor technology in relation uh, using, um, a six-color engine, for example. Yeah. What, uh, what course, I
0: wonder, though, is the, the six-color engine, or, or call it what you yeah. will, I mean, there's, there's several sources of uh, technology using the same thing. Uh, some of these uh, mixtures of colors uh, render like 94, 95, 96 yeah. uh, color rendering index. Um, so how much better can you get from a, from a phosphor light, first of all, I'd like to, to understand any, any white light, whether it be warm white, neutral white, cool white, uh, is using this phosphor technology, right? Yeah, Okay. Exactly. So that's, yes, yeah. those are the white LED engines. Uh, so when you're creating yeah. white with, a, let's say, take for example a six-color uh, source, um, and, and you're able to produce something like 95 CRI um, how yeah. how better are you getting? How is is it? Is there another measure than CRI to tell the difference between a phosphor light and and a, and a mixture of mm. colors, or is it just like yeah, a two percent yeah. difference?
1: Yeah. Well, um, this is a is a big discussion that is going on in this moment uh, on the market because, as I told you before, um, the CRI was done in in the in the 50s, 60s, um, when there came out then on the market, the discharge lamps. yeah, It was just, um, especially in the architectural market, it was the, the measurement to say, aha, with these dish- discharge lamps, because then the discharge lamps were filling up all the, how to say, the, um, the architectural sector, mm-hmm. all the um, uh, the big uh, shopping malls and so on, because with halogen, you mm-hmm. have too much heat. Yeah, and of course. The problem with uh, space, with yeah.
0: discharge lamps is the uh, the lifespan because as as mm-hmm. the, the 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 light burns down, then the color will shift, and then you're not getting the same result. Uh, we we exactly, we've been through exactly. that problem.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. And um, you know, in that moment, uh, it was done for the architects, not so much for our entertainment, industry. Mm-hmm. because. In the entertainment industry, I should be able also to work with a candlelight. Yeah. And not only with a candlelight, also with sodium lights, uh, yellow lights, and whatever. Yeah. We are, um, we love to work with colors in the in the entertainment industry. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, uh, so a CRI was, was done in that time. And nowadays, we are coming to a point that we, we say, um, uh, we have we must have other tools, yeah, like the um, now is called um, Ra4, or well, there are all other um, uh, measurements uh, in order to 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 give the the quality of an LED light source, how how they are reproducing the colors and. Uh, um, what, what the quality of this light source uh, is, uh, is giving you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have to practically, uh, to restart uh, a little bit our, uh, our experience, um, not anymore based on CRI, but, uh, um, uh, with much more, how to say, um, uh, measurements of, of different, uh, values and so on and um uh, this is um it's a big how to say challenge for lighting this hour sign nowadays in the in the past we had just um, the halogen lamps and it was every time CI 100 if you like <laughs> and um, and uh, in this moment we have not only um 3000 or 3200 kelvin but all these different um uh, 4,000 Kelvin, 5,600 Kelvin, and much more that um, that we couldn't uh, have in the past with um, done by by discharge lamps and so on. So um, uh, it's um, how, it's a new it's a new world, a completely a new world, and you cannot say um, that with just one. Color engine, you are covering all the needs uh, for your uh, lighting uh, problems. Yeah, um, this is also that that message that we are giving from Spotlight. You cannot just uh, uh, work with one type of LED engine. You have to. We are working in this moment uh, at least with six different uh, LED engines. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's there are coming also others yeah in the future yeah we are, we are already developing um, around because um, our uh, six color engine is um, is the state of art but uh, um, we try also to to put inside there also uh, some phosphor LEDs oh uh, in order to in order to get the the, the spectrum really ah,
0: continuously i see so but on, at that point know? it becomes a heat man- <laughs> management uh, uh <laughs> challenge right
1: of course of course of course it's it's um how to say it's a, a big challenge for every every developer um to get under control especially the heat problems from an led Yeah. Mm-hmm. this is um Many people say, ah, LED doesn't make heat. No, no, no. If you come to a certain, a certain how to say, power of an LED, then uh, you have to solve all these heating problems.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, people have the, uh, it's an illusion that, that LEDs uh, don't, don't, um... Uh, don't Burn, make heat, don't, uh, that's for sure yes. i i'd like you to yeah. tell me the story uh that uh, last time y- you told me this uh the first time you lit up a painting with that that yeah, phosphor right. technology that was uh that was uh, pretty amusing that story yeah yeah yes yes well
1: um you know my uh education uh, has done has or, or i'm growing up in the halogen world and uh as lighting designer, I was every time saying that, uh, yeah, the best is halogen LED, you can use it just for uh, some color applications, and that's it. And you have to work with uh, both technologies. And um, so then um, I had to do really an experience of, uh, of, of a mind change, of a change of my mentality inside uh, my uh, conviction that uh, halogen is the best what you can get, and um, well, since uh, well, I have uh, made um, also a specialty at the University of the Polytechnicum here in Milan, uh, illumination for cultural heritage, uh, especially in Europe. You have to to um, to do this if you are going to illuminate some. Um, Middle age paintings or um, uh, yeah churches with um, uh, with a high um, how to say historical uh, background.
2: Mm-hmm. so
1: where you you could um, how to say damage um, uh, a cultural um, value uh, using the wrong luminaire. so we mm-hmm. have um, to have a certification or a, a approval. Um, kind of a master that you have to do in order to uh, to to do this kind of project. Yeah, there are subjects and, that, are uh,
0: very, uh, that are very that uh, are very sensitive tricky. to the type of light, yeah. like uh, like wine. Like when we do yes. wine tasting uh, events, it's uh, very yes. important that yeah. at the time anyway we were using incandescent lights, and we had to shield the lights to control the heat, to control the UV. Yeah. And um, and and I'm I'm going to let you carry on, but I do have a question. This phosphor technology, um, mm. where you start with a UV source and you run it yeah. through a uh, 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 you know a, a um, the, yeah. field oh, yeah. anyway a phosphor uh, part, yeah. thickness thing, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. so once the, the 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 light has been emitted by the phosphor, is mm. is the UV totally absorbed? Or is some of that UV spilling out?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Well, there, there are, it was very funny because in the in the past there was a lot of discussion. Um, uh, you know, um, a little bit also like in our times where where we have uh, people that says. Uh, um, well oh, it's very dangerous and ah oh, you can uh, you you can even die from it <laughs> and whatever you know <laughs> all these stories um uh, well uh, practically in the moment that you are putting in front uh, also a glass filter um, then uh, you are immediately killing or let's say, filtering away the uh, okay. UV irradiation. And uh, sincerely talking, we have in the past, um, we had uh, much more problems within the discharge lens. Discharge lamps has a much, much higher component of ultra ultraviolet. Wow. And you had in this time to put every time a UV filter mm-hmm. in front. Yeah. And you can imagine a discharge lamp that was also the power of 2,000 watts of uh, of a light source behind. Nowadays you have um, LED light source that has maybe 100, 200 watts, and uh, you have also to think about which kind of energy is going on. So um, uh, this this 100 watts, let's say, of a um, uh, phosphor LED um uh well first of all, cannot generate such an outgoing energy that is damage, damaging uh, uh a painting mm-hmm. of course, you have to be careful uh, then to have an uh, a projector with with a filter in front and um uh, uh well um of course, well they are also i uh, would to say uh, cheap products uh, where they are using the the c o b
0: directly in a face to the people of course this i wouldn't recommend you to use that <laughs> yeah, i suppose so i'll let you get back to the story of uh, of when you lit up that painting for the first time
1: yeah yeah well uh, you know i as a convinced halogen guy um, well, uh, they asked me well to illuminate in a in a famous uh, in a Baroque church uh, a painting of um, what was eight meter by five or That's a huge, huge painting, huge one, yeah, a huge painting. And on this painting there was a representation of um, of um, how to say killing of a martyr. Yeah, they are just cutting with uh with a sword <laughs> his head and around a lot of horses a very dramatic situation. And um, this painting was um, illuminated uh, in the past, naturally just from halogen lamps. Mm -hmm. And um, so when we made with the architect and so on the first testings, what will be the result of uh, illuminating it with an LED projector. So I bring with me um, uh, it, it It was a special um, uh, made. um, uh, We call it uh, beamlet. Well, um, uh, it's special made for architectural application. Um, When when was uh, this? How
0: how long ago was
1: this? uh, 10 years ago, or maybe more, it was just the um, uh, the change in between where then the discharge lamps has been released uh, into the LED technology. Okay. So just before and um, well, uh, for me that that was was so important to see. Then when we took on the the LED projector on under this pending, I I got not also only myself but also with the architect we got really shocked because um, uh, what we saw is for the first time. We saw really the colors of the painting. Yeah. Mm. Because the halogen lamps is every time, how to say, is a little bit yellow- yellowish, first yeah. of all. Then the the color what is coming back from from that painting uh, was really how to say not very um clear. Mm. Then um halogen is a omni omnidirectional light source. It means that um uh, well, th- this middle age painting was made with a lot of uh, a thickness of color on the canvas, mm-hmm. so that um, the painter would like to give a kind of a three-dimensional effect, painting it with a with a very thick um, oil color, mm-hmm. and um, uh, so the omnidirection halogen lamps um, was practically washing away this. this Three-dimensional effect yeah, because
0: canceling um, out the uh, the shadows from yeah, the texture the shadows yes, yes.
1: exactly yes so um, this is also something that we have to learn with our visible perception that uh, for us it's fundamental to see them these micro shadows in mm-hmm. order to get a three-dimensional feeling so when 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 I I took on this LED uh, projector on it. Um, The painting uh, was coming to life. Yeah. Mm. Before it was just like a photo. And then with the LED, it came to life. It was the deepness, the horses coming out, the really the dramatic situation was, let's say, uh, emotional wise. um, From a photo, it changed to a living, uh, living picture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is really talking to me. And this was uh, such a shock. And then we, we tried also to understand what is the reason behind, why is this different illumination making such a, such a, a big emotion in, in our visible perception. And um, well, it, practically studying it, um, we discovered first of all, it's, it's giving much better the colors. Then also uh, is not killing the macro shadows. Mm-hmm. So, the two dimensional effect um, of that, what the painter has done, uh, all his efforts is coming really invisible then. And um, so, and this was the, how to say, the starting point where I had to change my mind. I could then see for the first time that with LED, you cannot only, how to say, do something similar like before with halogen, but even better than halogen. Yeah. Mm. I can really show you that with LED, you can make a better illumination with halogen. And uh, of course you have to relay on the, on the phosphor technology. And um, with the, uh, with RG, with mixes, yeah, with just color mixes, we are a little bit more, um, how to say, it's a different way of illumination. Uh, if I would like to make color, then, of course, I have to stick with this kind of color engines. But if I would like to illuminate something really perfect in a full-spectrum white light, um, there is no, how to say, way around the <laughs> phosphor technology.
0: Yeah. And and do you see in the future uh, having another technology that will take over that phosphor technology? Do you think that there's there's room out there for uh for improvement
1: uh well as i i told you uh what will be in the future i think is uh the mix that that we are mixing Mm them on the same led array for example phosphor leds with the color leds and so on and um there's there's a maximum
0: uh, there's a maximum of color sources that you can fit into one uh, one chip or, or 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 one source. So I I suppose there will always be drops between the frequencies, right?
1: Um. Yeah. Well, uh, now uh, guessing in this moment, all the technical problems that we will face then in the future um, with these new new LED engines that are coming um it's a bit early to 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 tell you but uh what i see is um we are already in such a how to say high quality uh, we are we we are we are better now uh, uh than in the past with halogen so mm. and um we are still how to s- uh, uh giving how the possibilities um that um, you couldn't imagine uh, some years before and uh, uh of course we have to learn to work with uh, the different color temperatures for example yeah mm-hmm. where when is the right moment to use a 3000 kelvin when is the right moment a 4000 kelvin engine or 5600 kelvin engine and there is um uh, how to say not not too much schools on the on Uh, nowadays that are really training you this, because um, the reason is very simple. We are are not many manufacturers that are using all these different LEDs and engines. As Spotlight, we say we must have these differences in LED engines in order to give you the possibilities. But um, for a a manufacturer, it's quite hard um, uh, to to develop so many different products, every of this engine needs another electronic. Can you imagine Mm -hmm. how how big is the research and development behind all these things?
0: Yeah, and so at that point, uh, education will always be one step behind technology. Because yeah, it's a work in progress and by the time you know all the academic uh, structure is made around that technology, we will we'll ho- already have moved on to another technology. Mm.
2: Yeah, Which yeah. is probably yeah, the politics. reasons
0: why, uh, the reason why when I studied uh, I, I studied uh, computer uh, programming uh, back in the 80s, early 80s, and uh, they showed us how to make perforated cards. Which were already obsolete at the time. Yes.
1: Yes. So <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. So exactly. I guess I yeah, guess yeah. most of this yeah. stuff, uh, people have to they have to get their their basic uh, education and then learn on the job as as technology becomes available.
1: Sure. Hmm. Sure. Sure. Yeah, but um, I have to say that we are living also in a special time. Yeah, it's uh, um, the LED. Came came out well for our entertainment business just um, around ten fifteen years ago. So it's not a long mm-hmm. time span that that we are living in into. But then in the future, the youngsters are even they will look on us and say, "Oh, you have worked with halogen. What is this halogen? Oh, <laughs> something dangerous." <laughs> <Yeah>. And um, and <laughs> you know. Um, well <laughs> this would be funny. <laughs> yeah,
0: I suppose there there'll be some uh some funny uh conversations down the line. Um yeah, yeah. before before we go, I'd like uh to have a, a, a you know a quick uh, go through i mean you've you've you're obviously a lighting designer i'd like to have a, a little retrospective of, of what you've worked on i mean were you working on music on plays dance uh, theater yeah, yeah. What, what exactly yeah. did you go through all all this and i know you've done some touring also and and yes, yes. you know all all your experience in that field and what made you trans uh, do the transition Towards uh, spotlight and the in and, and the more uh, corporate uh, field of yeah. work. Yeah.
1: Well, as I told you already in the beginning, um, well, I, uh, as lighting designer, um, I I was uh, I started in in Florence, Italy, well, uh, my uh, my career um, and did. It was um uh, international performing art group where we uh, we went all around the globe um, uh doing productions uh for especially music musicals mm-hmm. then uh, then t v productions then also theater plays or big conventions and and so on. I was touring about in south america in america north america then um, mainly, of course, in uh, in Europe here, um, and um, uh, well, in the, in that time, what was for me the the, the uh, let's say the most challenging um, uh, task was every time the musicals. Yeah, this is that's what I, what I loved because musicals is uh, a mix in between, yeah, elements from theater, but also then elements well from from rock and roll let's say yeah more dynamics and, uh, yes yes, this dynamic and uh, and so on and um for example theater plays for me was every time very boring because you have to <laughs> push every may- maybe two or three minutes uh the next uh, scene that is coming yeah. yeah um so that this is not not very exciting <laughs> from the <laughs> point of view for a lighting designer, but um, uh, uh, then also uh, um, uh, television productions. Um, Well, every time when came uh, television, uh, it was, yeah, it was not very, how to say, uh, fancy to work with it, because they were mainly just asking to put all your lights on full (laughs) and to have more and more light on in order that the cameras can can take uh, uh, enough, how to say luminosity in the, um, for the transmission, and uh, uh, and then also I had to then to, to stay every time in front of a monitor and following up the the picture on the monitor. Yeah. And this is uh this is also not uh, how to say um, somebody for somebody that is uh, not a technician but more uh, or uh, art oriented. Uh, with a lot of creativity inside the bones. <laughs> yeah, at that point you're not working for the public; you're working for you. the TV, <laughs> for the screen, and that, that's
0: uh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. have to yeah. almost tie your hands behind your back. Yes, exactly. Yes, <laughs>
1: yes, yes. But it's uh, it's also it was also fun. I mean, so I I learned uh, quite well how to work in in a television studio, and um, this is helping me also uh, today when I go in television studios to find also the right lighting uh, uh, solutions for them Mm -hmm. and uh, to know exactly the needs, what they need and uh, how they work and so on. This um, is helping me really a lot.
0: Oh, that's great. So in in, in closing, the transition between your touring life and and your, your designing life to the... As I said, the corporate world or the the manufacturer yeah. world, how did yeah. that happen?
1: Well, um, I've been traveling around the world in tours for uh, more than eleven years, and uh, um, you can imagine that, uh, especially in young times, in certain moment, it becomes the really the need also for uh, something more stable, and uh, especially for families. So. Mm-hmm and um then for for family life you need to have a um uh, how to say a secure income monthly income yes. you have to have a sta- stable place yeah if you are traveling in tour touring around the world this is something that uh not very compatible then and um well but uh, mm, uh this was also how to say my um, I'm quite happy uh, to be in Spotlight because I'm still traveling a lot um, uh, around the globe, but get the not anymore uh, in uh, Yes, yes, yes. Well, uh, not in the COVID situation, <laughs> <No>. of course. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not, but this will so. pass. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I really looking forward to see you all guys really shake hands and to to do something together face to face. This is that what I love.
0: Oh yeah, we're all very anxious uh, to get out there and start meeting people for real. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it will happen. It will happen. We'll have to be patient, I guess.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, in this moment we uh, we, are, we are we started already to plan the prolight and sound in Frankfurt mm-hmm. in April. So um well we wish and we hope that many of uh, of lighting designers are coming over and um that we ha- can have not only a chat but also to see all these lighting solutions where where I, I try to give uh, just a glimpse of of um uh, an overview and um yeah and then also to hear especially your your experiences and share it together and try to find solutions. Well, this is that what what we we'll really
0: like. Well, Thomas, great. it's it's been a, a, a great talk. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this with us. Um, and and I'll be honest, I've learned a lot in this conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we are learning together. This is that what what is my personal believing, because um, in the moment that you stop uh, trying to to learn to open eyes and so on then uh, you become old then <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i'm still feeling young really
0: young <laughs> inside <laughs> <laughs> well i i can see that i can see that and i i'm with i'm with you all the way i don't plan on getting old anytime soon <laughs> very good very good <laughs> all right well thank so. you so much thomas Thank you. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you for your time. Take care. Have, your time. have a great evening. Bye bye. Yep.
1: I'll see you. Good okay. weekend. Yeah. You too. Bye-bye.
0: Bye bye. Hi. The Backstage Cowboys podcast is brought to you by AVL Media Group and Avolites, who make the best lighting consoles in the world. If you live in Canada, you now have access to the Avolights Academy online learning platform. The cost is $229, and that includes an editor Evo key delivered directly to your door. Head on over to BackstageCowboys.com and click on the EvoLights Academy logo to get all the details.